All right, everybody, I'm Logan Alec, I'm a CPA. This is my stimulus update for Tuesday, December 22nd. As expected yesterday, stimulus passed in Congress. House passed legislation 359 to 53. Senate passed it 92 to six. Who were the six senators voting against it? All Republicans, Ted Cruz, Marsha Blackburn, Rick Scott, Rand Paul, Mike Lee, and Ron Johnson. So now the bill goes to Trump for signature. He is expected to sign it today. Possibly by the time you see this video, he has already signed it. Trump has already signed the seven-day continuing resolution portion of this legislation to keep the government funded. Dems continue to say that this legislation is just the beginning. Chuck Schumer said yesterday on the Senate floor that this bill cannot be the end of the story and that anyone who thinks this bill is enough doesn't know what's going on in America. Joe Biden tweeted, I applaud this relief package, but our work is far from over. Starting in the new year, Congress will need to immediately get to work on support for our COVID-19 plan. My message to everyone out there struggling right now, help is on the way. Like I've said before, even if Dems win both Georgia runoffs in a couple weeks, an early-term Biden stimulus is by no means a guarantee. It will require bipartisan support unless Dems opt to end the filibuster for legislation, which I do not think will happen. In terms of stimulus checks, I made a video yesterday covering the $600 stimulus check section of this new bill, as well as the unemployment section of this new bill. You can check it out, link at the top of the screen right here. But in this video, I want to talk housing. So I'm going to walk through on screen the housing portions of this bill. I originally thought about combining this with PPP and EIDL, but I was got to think about it. I was like, look, housing is a personal thing. PPP and EIDL, it's a business thing. I'm going to keep those separate for now and just cover housing relief in this video. Uh, so let's start with the eviction moratorium. That is a very short section here. I think it's on 2281. Yep. Uh, extension of eviction moratorium. So this brief paragraph here, this is basically saying that the CDC's eviction moratorium uh, is extended through January 31st, right? Uh, without any modification uh, whatsoever. So we've already covered the CDC eviction moratorium here on the channel. Uh, I'm not going to talk uh, anymore about this in this video because there's a lot on the rental relief I want to talk about. Um, we know some Republicans were trying to fight the eviction moratorium. Their argument was, well, if we're giving rent relief to the people, uh, why do we need an eviction moratorium as well? But thankfully, they were shot down. Now let's go to the Meteor uh, housing section of this bill which begins on page 2,255. Um, by the way, this a link to this bill is in the description below if you would like to read these sections for yourself. So uh, here is the rental relief, or as they say here, the emergency rental assistance. Uh, thing to know here is that this is administered by the states, okay? So you wanna keep on top of this stuff. Remember all the unemployment fiascos? Uh, with people applying for state unemployment and not getting their application through on the website. This could become something like that because this is administered by the state. So you really want to stay on top of this stuff, get your documentation in order, get that copy of your, uh, you know, your past due utility bill, your past due rent, your maybe your tax return. Like we don't know what they're going to ask for yet, but uh, income documentation is a part of this, right? Not just for qualification, but also for prioritization. Um, your unemployment letter, right? Get to start thinking about your narrative, right? Of why you need rental relief because that, that may be required here as we're gonna see in this. Um, it's like I tell my, my tax clients, my CPA clients, right? Get this stuff in order, get your documentation in order now so it's not a rush at the last minute, okay? Because like I said, these are state-administered programs. This is federal funds going to states and uh, perhaps cities as well to allocate this these funds out, okay? Each state will have its own application. And as we've seen like with unemployment, 
right people would apply, but it would take weeks. You know, the, their application got lost or the, the state's backed up. So you want to be one of the first people here to, uh, to apply. Um, so stay on top of the stuff. Okay, so I'm gonna give you some guidelines here. Obviously, what your state's individual application will look like, uh, we don't know yet, right? Because states don't have applications for these yet, but uh, you really wanna stay um, on top of the stuff. All right, so let's get into it. This is obviously rental relief, $25 billion, no surprises there. Um, a little over 1 billion here is for tribes and territories. Now let's get into the meat of it. Uh, so the remaining 24 billion say for state and local governments. First, how is it allocated? to the states, okay? Um, it says here it will be appropriated in the same manner as the coronavirus relief fund is allocated. That's a reference here to section 601 of the Social Security Act, which deals with the coronavirus relief fund as instituted by the CARES Act, okay? Uh, so allocation will be the same as that, which is basically allocating these funds to the states based on population with a minimum amount of uh, 200 million going to each state. Generally, states will allocate this assistance to the local governments uh, in that state itself. However, if a local government has a population of over 200,000, and that number is down, I skipped it, down here, um, if, a, if a local government has a population of over 200,000, um, it can apply for funds directly, right? And its state's remaining allocation will be adjusted accordingly. So that's how the money's distributed now let's go up to page 2,264 and talk about eligibility. Or actually, first let's talk about what the money's gonna be used for, okay? Um, it says, an eligible grantee, and we see grantee in this, this just means the, the state or local government that received this money from the feds to use for rental assistance uh, for the people, right? So it says an eligible grantee shall only use the funds provided from a payment made under the section to provide financial assistance and housing stability services to eligible households. We'll talk about the definition of an eligible household in a bit when we get to that uh, section of this bill. But for now, let's talk about uh, the spread here. So not less than 90% of the funds received by an eligible grantee from a payment made under the section shall be used to provide financial assistance to eligible households, including the payment of these things, right? So this is saying that of the money a state gets, right, or a city gets, 90% has to be used to help the people pay for rent, as in prospective rent, future rent, rental arrears, right, that's back, back due rent, past due rent, utilities and home energy costs, uh, and utilities and home energy cost arrears, right? So that's, you know, past due uh, uh, rent and home energy costs. Then there's kind of this catch-all here, right? It also says other expenses related to housing incurred due directly or indirectly to COVID-19, okay? So that sounds pretty broad to me, right? This Romanet uh, 5 here, other expenses, that sounds pretty broad to me. We'll probably get some more guidance on what exactly would qualify um, for that. Here it's saying the maximum assistance period is 12 months with an additional three months possible if necessary to ensure housing stability for a household subject to availability of funds. Uh, the section here, limitation on prospective rent payments. So this is basically saying that uh, for future rents, right, as opposed to rental arrears, for future rent, prospective rent, it's generally up to three months per household. Okay, that tells me the priority here is getting people caught up on their rents, right? Their back rents. 
And then the next priority is the future rents, okay? And notice what they say here. They have this word application, right? I kind of hinted at this before, but um, it's, it's, it's very explicit here. To get this assistance, you'll have to apply for it. Obviously, the application will be at the state or local government level. There are some general guidelines and things to know about applying that I will cover in this video, of course, okay? This section here, exception, it's saying that if you need, uh, you know, more than three months, right, uh, for future rent, uh, you could be able to, to apply again for that, and you might get it subject to the availability um, of remaining funds. All right, let's go down. Da, 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 da. Okay, this section here, distribution of financial assistance. This section here basically says that the default the default is for the payments to be made directly by the state or local government to the landlord, which is referred to as a lessor here, uh, or utility provider. It says, with respect to the financial assistance for rent, rental years, utilities, etc., an eligible grantee shall make payments to a lesser or utility provider on behalf of the eligible household. That's on behalf of the tenant. Okay, so this is the default. The default here is for the money to go directly from the government, the state government, to uh, the party that you owe money to, right? Landlord or um, uh, utility provider as the case may be. However, this says if the landlord or utility provider does not agree to accept such payment after outreach to them, either they, they didn't get the correspondence or, or, or something happens, then it says that the state or local government may make such payments directly to the tenants for the purpose of making payments to the landlord or utility provider. I think this is because, you know, they suspect that if the tenant is paid directly, some tenants might just spend the money and not pay the landlord or utility company, right? Obviously, most people won't do that, but I think they want to preemptively deal with that here for individuals uh, who might try to cheat the system um, otherwise. Uh, the next section here, nothing in this section shall be construed to invalidate any otherwise legitimate grounds for eviction. So this is just saying, look, you can't, you can't evict for past due rent through January 31st, right? And we're giving tenants money to make their landlords whole, as well as your utility companies, and even maybe some money for future rents. But if your landlord has another legitimate reason to evict you, say you broke some other term of the lease, I don't know, the landlord has a no smoking policy and you smoked in your apartment, that would still be valid grounds for eviction, right? And nothing in this bill is to be taken otherwise. Um, the next section is saying that if a state or local government pays money directly to a landlord or utility company on behalf of a tenant, the government will give the tenant record of such payment. That seems like a fairly obvious thing to do. Next up here is the allocation to housing stability services. So this is 10% of the allocation. Uh, so 90% to back rent, prospective rent, past utility bill, bills, future utility bills, other uh, household expenses. 10% is to housing stability services. This really isn't elaborated on here, but it sounds like this could potentially be some kind of social service or something like this to keep households uh, stably housed, to keep households stably housed. Um, this could be helping them ap apply for the rental relief, you know, for counseling, financial counseling, housing resources. It could be a lot of things. Um, but, you know, this paragraph is so small, I'm not going to uh, dwell on this because they don't really elaborate here. Let's move on to this section here called prioritization of assistance because this is very, very important. Okay. Later on in the bill, they talk about the minimum eligibility for rent relief. Okay. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. But this section here is talking about, okay, of the people who are eligible for this, who's going to be prioritized? Who has first dibs here? 
Okay, so this is very important. So it says in reviewing the applications for the, the rent assistance, the state or local government shall prioritize consideration of the applications of an eligible household that satisfies any of the following conditions. The income of the household does not exceed 50% of the area median income for the household. This is defined later as the HUD median income. You can easily Google this for your area. It varies based on your area and household size, right? Um, so if that's you, right, you will get priority here, okay? Um, and or one or more individuals within the household are unemployed as of the date of the application for assistance and have not been employed uh, for the previous 90 days uh, from the application. So maybe a little strategy here, if you're kind of straddling this, uh, you know, this 90 day deadline, you know, you're at day 88, maybe, maybe it makes sense until you get past this 90 day uh, deadline, right? Uh, to apply. So you can say that, that you meet this and you'll be prioritized uh, ahead of other applicants. Okay, so that, that might be just a little bit of strategy here. Um, so really the point of this is the intent here is they want the money to go first, right, to those who are lower income um, and or unemployed, okay, because I, I think they view those uh, groups as the most in need. Okay, this is talking about state prioritizing people, but, 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 but no other administrative costs. Okay, reallocation of unused funds. This section here is just saying that at the end of the fiscal year, September 30th, 2021, uh, the feds can recapture excess funds, unused funds from the, unused funds from the states, reallocate them to the states. Uh, that said, what we're hearing right now is this $25 billion, uh, probably isn't enough, right? So it's possible that all this about you know, the, the expiration date here, here's the expiration date, December 31st next year. Um, you know, all this all this language in here about the expiration date and reallocating unused money to the states could very well just be a moot point. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. This is more about the reallocation. Okay, this section here, application for assistance by landlords and owners. This is just saying that a landlord can help you apply for this rent relief. Um, yeah, they can assist you or they can e they can even apply for the rent relief on your behalf. And if they do submit an application on your behalf, they have to meet these basic requirements, right? They need to get your signature. It could be an electronic signature, right? I think it's pretty obvious they'll need your signature. Um, they need a document that they sent this application. And obviously any payments received by the landlord from a you know, as a result of this application will be used to satisfy uh, your rental obliga obligations. Honestly, I would say I would rather you kind of take ownership of this yourself. I mean, maybe if you have a, your landlord is a, you know, a large, uh, very well-managed, uh, you know, property management company, maybe. But if you're dealing with a mom and pop type landlord, right, um, ha have them apply for you at your own risk right? Uh, in general, I like people to kind of take matters into their own hands, kind of take ownership of their own situation. Um, but if it sounds like your, your, your landlord is, has a process and a system in place, um, to, to help you apply, you know, then that, that could be an option as well. Um, all right, next up is reporting requirements. They're basically saying that on a quarterly basis, they have to report on how this program is going. Um, you know, they want to report by income levels, right? They want to say, okay, people in this very low income uh, level, you know, 
this is how many people got the rent assistance and this income level and this income level, right? So, you know, and they want to show basically that people at the lower income uh, were prioritizing getting this assistance. Uh, this is more, this is just saying that uh, the state local governments receiving this money have to protect your privacy and your data. Okay, so that seems fairly obvious. Statistical research, privacy requirements, Paperwork Reduction Act, administrative expenses, oversight. Okay, this is all kind of just reporting stuff. Okay, treatment of assistance here. Um, this is on page 2,276. This is saying that money you get as rent relief won't be considered income. Okay, for purposes of determining your or your household's eligibility for any federal benefits or assistance program or any state or local benefits or assistance program financed in whole or in part with federal funds. Right. So this won't count against you when it comes to um, but, 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 it, it won't count against you when it comes to qualifying for, uh, you know, needs based programs, means tested programs. Okay, uh, so that's good news. All right. Now here at the bottom of page 2277 under eligible household. This is describing who's eligible for rent relief. This is very important. I don't know why they put it, you know, kind of last in this uh, section. Um, but before, remember, we were talking about who is prioritized for for the rent uh, rent assistance, right? It's those who um, were unemployed and have been unemployed for the 90 days before they applied and or whose household income is less than 50% of the median, Right, so that that's who's prioritized. Now, this section we're going to talk about here. This is who's going to be eligible in general for this. Okay, so it's a broader pool of people, uh, broader pool of people here. So let's get into it. So it says the term "eligible household" means a household of one or more individuals who are obligated to pay rent on a residential dwelling, and with respect to which the eligible grantee—that's the state or local government—determines. Now, there's there's kind of three. Uh, th- three uh, requirements here. Right, here's the first one. Here's the second one. Here's the third one. So I'm going to go over them now. Okay, first requirement. One or more individuals within the household must have qualified for unemployment benefits or experienced a reduction in household income incurred significant costs or experienced other financial hardship due directly or indirectly to COVID-19, which the applicant shall attest in writing. Okay, and this is or, right? It's not both, it's or. So if you qualified for unemployment benefits, You've met this first requirement, okay? That's that's black and white. That's a done deal. Now, if you did not qualify for unemployment benefits, uh, then you you have to qualify for this, right? Experience reduction in household income, etc. This sounds like a bit like, oh, oh man, I really have to convince them. But look, if you're legitimately uh, behind on your rent at no fault of your own, right? And it's not like you're taking advantage of the situation. You're taking advantage of the eviction moratorium. You know, you're taking advantage of the situation by buying luxury items and the latest gadgets, right? All the while not paying your rent, right? If you're legitimately struggling to pay your rent, then by definition, you have experienced a financial hardship right now, okay? And what, there's not many people's circumstances right now that have not been affected by COVID-19, right? So don't be afraid of this. Right now, maybe just, you know, jot down the narrative of why you got behind on your rent. Right, so when these applications roll out, you're ready. Like I said earlier, it's like I tell my tax clients, right? When you need a tax document, save it, right? Save it in a folder. Don't just rush to find this all when we need to do your tax return. Have it ready ahead of time so you're not rushing at the last minute. We don't know exactly when these applications will drop, what they'll look like. It'll, you know, obviously depend on a state by state basis. But start putting together this narrative, right? It doesn't have to be a novel. Just say, hey, you know, COVID hit. I'm not unemployed, but my hours got cut. 
I'm making less money. We had a family member get sick. I had to take time off to, to care for them. Just a few sentences, just, just a narrative here. A basic narrative um, is what they're looking for. All right, so that's qualification number one, right? Qualified for unemployment or experience reduction in household income, incurred significant costs, or experience other financial hardship due to COVID-19. You have to meet one of these two, okay? This one or this one. Requirement number two has to be that one or more individuals within the household can demonstrate a risk of experiencing homelessness or housing instability, okay? Which may include, and these are ors as well, right? So it's just one of these things here to qualify for the second one. And obviously this one's an easy one, right? A pass to utility or rent or eviction notice, okay? So if you've received a pass, if you have been behind on your utility bill, right? Or your rent, <laughs> which you probably have if, if you're interested in this, then you're good. Then you, 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 you get a copy of that and you've met the second requirement, okay? Um, also, if you live in an unsafe or unhealthy living conditions or any other evidence of such risk as determined by the eligible grantee involved, right? So this is giving the state some leeway here uh, to determine perhaps other uh, eligibility factors. Now, those are two requirements, okay? So first requirement uh, is basically unemployment or um, you know financial hardship. Second requirement is risk of housing instability or homelessness. Third requirement is a bright line income requirement, okay? The household must have a household income that is not more than 80% of the area median income for the household. Remember for prioritization, it said not more than 50%, just to, to be eligible, not more than 80%, right? This is the same uh, HUD guidelines, right? You can easily Google this, right? Just search your geographic area, you know, Los Angeles County area median income, right? Uh, it'll depend on your area and family size. So basically three requirements, right? Uh, the, the unemployment or economic hardship requirement, the risk of homelessness or housing instability requirement, and uh, the income requirement here, okay? Now, this is interesting. It says, in determining your income, it says states will consider either the household's total income for calendar year 2020 or the household's monthly income at the time of application for such assistance. But if they use the monthly they have to redetermine the eligibility of your income after uh, a three-month period, okay? So I imagine they put this in here to cover the scenario where like, look, before COVID-19, you received a big commission check or something, right? In 2020, let's say January, 2020. And that check, right? In addition to maybe some other items you got throughout the year, put you over the 80% median income for your geographic area and family size. But then let's say your income took a significant hit once COVID hit, right? February, March, okay? And now you're behind on rent for the past nine months. So right now you're struggling just as much as the next guy or gal. And anybody who looked at your last you know, month's bank statement could see that, right? So I think what this section is doing is addressing some of that situation, right? They need help. Uh, but just because they may have gotten a big payday or something like that before COVID-19 hit, that may have put them over the 80% median income threshold, that shouldn't exclude them necessarily, right? If they can show that based on their monthly income at the time of the application, uh, you know, on an annualized basis, they would be under the 80% limitation, okay? Um, obviously, a lot of details here in terms of the application process will be determined at the state level, and that's basically it, okay? Uh, definitions here. This is where it defines a city that can apply or county that can apply for its own relief directly as having a population uh, 200,000. 
uh, termination of program. That's kind of been a lot of these things. And then here we are back at the eviction moratorium. All right, so that's what we know so far in this bill pertaining to rent relief. Obviously, a lot of the details here in terms of the application process and specifics will be determined at the state level on a state-by-state -state basis. This is unlike stimulus checks, which was completely administered at the federal level. This is kind of more like an unemployment type scenario, which is administered by the states. So you got to keep an eye on your state and local governments for this kind of thing. As I become aware of state applications and things like that, I will, of course, do my best to keep you informed. Thank you so much for watching, everybody, and I will see you in the next video. Bye-bye.